You know, if there was one word, if I can choose just one word to describe how people are doing right now, the word that I would probably choose is the word tired. People are tired of all the social unrest and the hurtful comments that are oftentimes on social media. People are tired of staying home all the time, but even when they go out, they have to wear masks, so it gets tiring being outside with masks. People are tired of uh, looking at the COVID numbers and hoping, when is it when I can look at NBA or NFL numbers? People are tired uh, of uh, a lack of human interaction, and when they do get human, human interaction on Zoom, we get tired of Zoom, right? When you're talking to a group of people and they black out, black out their screen and you're not even sure if they're there. Uh, people are tired of the intensity that's oftentimes um, amplified in homes and marriages and the parents and children because there's no escape and outlet and, and so uh, there's a lot of conflict there. You know, it's interesting if you really think about it. You and I are resting or less busy than ever. And I would venture to guess a lot of people are getting more sleep than they have been in a long time, but they're more tired than they have been in a long time. And as one meme said, that no amount of sleep in the world could cure the tiredness I feel. Our, our passage for today, we've been going through the, the Gospel of Mark. And if you have your Bibles, um, you know, or if you're home online, turn your Bibles or, or uh, click on to Mark chapter 2, verse 23. And we'll be looking at a pair of passages all the way to chapter 3, verse 6. And I'll go over it fairly quickly in the beginning, and then we'll go back and, and talk about four things related to um, the topic at hand. And as we read, the topic, the theme is that of Sabbath. And every time you hear the word Sabbath in this passage, think rest day or something to that effect, okay? One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. He said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Chapter 3, verse 1. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal, them, heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said, to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. 
And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the, their hardness of heart, and said to the, the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. Uh, it begins uh, on the Sabbath. And the term Sabbath is mentioned, I believe, seven times here. And it climaxes at the end by saying that the Pharisees determined to destroy him because not what he did, but when he did what he did. The Sabbath is the, the theme at question, and uh, I'd like to talk about it in four parts. First, God's plan for the Sabbath, religion's misuse of the Sabbath, uh, man's neglect of the Sabbath, and Christ's fulfillment of the Sabbath. Let's look at, first of all, God's uh, plan for the Sabbath. What is the Sabbath? Uh, there are two passages uh, that kind of give our foundational passages that uh, teach us what the Sabbath is. The first is found in Genesis uh, chapter 2. Genesis is the beginning of the creation. And in chapter 2, verse 3, after God had created everything, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God had done all of creation and he set apart. He made holy one day a week. The second foundational passage is found in uh, the book of Exodus. And when we think about all the laws that God had given man, there was only one set of law in which Exodus 31, 18 said, was written uh, with the finger of God, meaning all the other laws God dictated and man uh, wrote down. But there was only one set of laws that God literally uh, carved out of stone uh, out of his own penmanship, the laws, and those are the Ten Commandments. And in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. This is the fourth commandment. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, for in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, um, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Again, holy means set apart. It is distinguished from all of the others. It was as if from the foundation of the creation of the world, God had said that uh, for six days you will have to manage the garden, but on the seventh day, you shall stop from managing the garden and walk with me and spend time with me on the seventh day. And it is here in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, that Jesus states a little bit more clearly, he clarifies what the Sabbath is supposed to be. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And this is really important. God set apart the seventh day and said, on that day you shall rest from your work and spend time with me. But he makes it clear that Sabbath was made for our benefit, and we were not created to somehow worship the Sabbath. There are two components to the Sabbath that I think we need to remember. For in order for the Sabbath to be Sabbath, there are two components. Number one, it has to be a day of rest, 
there has to be a day of rest. Almost everything around us, almost everything that we do needs a rhythm of work and rest. Work and rest. Uh, trainers will tell athletes that you need a break in order to rest your muscles. Uh, if you are uh, a psychologist, you will tell uh, your, your clients or your patients that one of the things that you need to do is you need to allow your mind to rest. And a good night's sleep is uh, something that will help your mind to rest. Uh, the Lord tells us that in order for us to be healthy, not only in body, uh, but also in mind and soul, we need a rhythm of work and then rest. You know, think of um, uh, a, a, an oil change in the car. I, I drive a Civic, and periodically, about every 7,500 miles, there's a light that comes on. And it says that, um, that it's time for my car to be uh, taken to the dealer or the, the store or, or a mechanic for it to pause running in order for it to be reset, to uh, recharged. Uh, to, to go back to its original kind of intent for a little while. Uh, the first component of the Sabbath is rest. There's a second component, though, and this is important. Because oftentimes, uh, so many of us rest from work, but even though we're doing inactivity, it doesn't feel like at the end of that rest we feel more refreshed. So, for example, we can spend a lot of time, and, and this COVID lockdown is a great time for us to kind of examine this, because this is a time when high school students, you didn't go to school, you weren't tired from all of your activities, often a lot of us didn't go to work, uh, but we seem tired, and the reason being is this, listen, uh, we stop from the productivity activity, but we took that time to binge Netflix or play hours and hours of online games. But how many of us, after having watched six hours of whatever shows, that at the end you feel like, my soul feels so refreshed now, right? Or having uh, spent the night, and it's like 3 in the morning, and your dad knocks on your time to go to bed, saying, Dad, you're right. I'm going to go to bed. I feel so much more at peace, and there's contentment in my heart now. Right? It's interesting because we can rest, but it doesn't mean that our souls have been reset. And the reason being is that the second component of the Sabbath is not simply inactivity, but focus on worship. Sabbath is a day that we are supposed to refocus our attention from work to worship, not work to attention to other idols of the heart. It is a time for realignment. You know, if you think about it, there are so many things, uh, so many parts of our lives and societies in which we give people time to reset or rest from what they're supposed to do to 
give them time to do something else. You give your employees a lunch break, right? You, uh, an employee gets a lunch break. And if that employee comes uh, two hours later after his lunch break and says to his manager, uh, you know, I need time off because I'm hungry. And you would say, well, didn't you have your lunch break? Because, yes, I had my lunch break. What did you do, do during your lunch break? I Netflix. Well, no, you're supposed to eat during your lunch break. Children have nap time so that they can nap. Right? And... Um, 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 and there are many things that we do that require us to take a pause from productivity in order to focus on something. Couples oftentimes would set aside one night uh, a week or a month for a date night. They pause from productivity to focus on realigning their heart and soul. And the Sabbath is a time in which we are to realign Refocus on our relationship with the Lord, worship. J.D. Greer says it this way, The Sabbath is a day to recognize that God didn't create us to accomplish tasks, but to be in love with Him. That is our purpose. We weren't created for a job. We weren't created for our ability to produce. We were created first and foremost for God. On the Sabbath, we are just supposed to enjoy God and His gifts. It is one day to be rather than to do. And for the Christian, uh, our Sabbath is today, Sunday, that we are supposed to set aside today from pausing from work and focusing on worship. But the problem is, and this is our second point, that uh, God's design for the Sabbath was... Uh, misunderstood, misapplied by religion as, we, as religion misused the Sabbath. When we look into this portion of the story and when we think about history here, uh, and this is what happened. The disciples picked grain, removed the chaff, and popped it into their mouths. It would be like you going into a backyard and if there's an orange tree picking an orange, peeling it and eating it. Um, Jesus also takes a man with an atrophied hand and he miraculously heals it. The Pharisees saw the work and condemned it. And in fact, they determined to destroy Jesus for having done so. Now, uh, the question is, why did the Pharisees have such a problem with Jesus? Not in those acts, but the day that he did those things. And, and the reason is this, that the Pharisees were extremely zealous. They really cared about the law. They were like law abiders. They were the kind of people that if, if you drove 36 miles on a 35-mile zone, you said, no, that is, you need to go to jail type of people. They were so zealous for the law that they took the law, and when there was any ambiguity or uh, trying to understand how that applies to their modern society, they wrote commentaries on them. And after a while, those commentaries became just as important as the original laws themselves. And so um, when, the, when God says, don't work on the Sabbath, the question becomes, what well, is picking an orange from a tree and peeling it is that considered work? 
and the Pharisees had determined, yes, that's work and that is illegal. You can't do it. Uh, let me give you a modern-day example. At one point in time, historical Jews had, uh, had asked a question, can you cook on the Sabbath? And cook would require making fire. Making, and so they determined you can't make fire on the Sabbath because that is work. And as, as, as um, time went on, sparks on an engine or an electronic cir circuit board would have been considered lighting a fire. And so Orthodox Jews had determined that you cannot uh, apply electrical circuits on the Sabbath like pushing a button on an elevator. So Orthodox Jews believe that pushing an, a button on an elevator is tantamount to work. So that is something that Orthodox Jews could not do. And so the way that uh, Orthodox Jews had gotten around this particular prohibition was this, is that they had designed, they have designed elevators in which you can get on and stop at any floor without pushing any button. They're, they're called Sabbath uh, elevators. And if you think that's ridiculous, um, actually it's not as ridiculous as you think. If you go to the UCLA Ronald Reagan Med uh, Medical Center, elevator number 408 is such an elevator that you stand in front of it and eventually it'll open and you get in, in it and it'll go to every single stop. But what the Pharisees community had done is that in their zeal to want to not only know the law, keep the law, expand and extrapolate and, uh, and apply the law, that they had made the law something that they had worshipped and misunderstood what the law was given for. My civic, like I said, every 7,500 miles, it lights up and tells me, reminds me, get an oil change so that it can run optimally. Now, I want, you know, we need to understand clearly that an oil change helps the car run more efficiently. I don't drive in order to get to the next oil change. I get the oil change in order for it to run the next 7,500 miles. But what the, the religious elites have done at this time was they had so uh, been focused on the law and how that perhaps justifies me and makes me more acceptable. It makes me in some ways better than those who do not, that they had begun to worship the law and the Sabbath, and the extension of the Sabbath. And, the, and Jesus' point is this, if elevator 408 had broken down and a person's life was at stake, would you really object to taking a different elevator? And obviously, what Jesus is saying to us is this, that, that the, Sabbath was not, the Sabbath was made for us and not vice versa. You know, what, what this kind of reveals, this interaction reveals something a little bit more sinister than simply a an, an, an misguided passion for the law. The Pharisees not only uh, misused the law, but I believe they weaponized it. They took what was good and helpful for us and, and they began to say, well, those who are not abiding by the letter of this extension of the oral tradition, the man-made version of the law, 
that there's something wrong with them and I want to destroy them. They should be destroyed. And you know, I believe that the church is guilty of this. That we do this all the time. We, we look at the Bible and, we, and it's as sweet as honey and we want to obey it. And, we, and, the, and the word of God was given to us so that we may know God and to love God better. But what we do is we take the word of God we take extensions of it, extrapolations of it, applications of it, and we want to apply it to everyone else. And then when they miss the subtle steps of it, we want to criticize them, condemn them, and in our hearts we judge them. And we do exactly what the law was never intended to do, not use it to hate or criticize or condemn, but rather it was for man's benefit. There's a third aspect of the law, and it is man's neglect, man's neglect of the Sabbath. When we read this particular story, you know, there's something about it that we cannot relate to in that, you know, I don't know if any of us in this space or in in our uh, living rooms can say that we have as much zeal for the Pharisees. In fact, when we look at them, we say, well, something's wrong with them, and I'm so glad that I am not as legalistic as they are. And we kind of pat ourselves on the back for, you know, I'm glad that I don't really care about the Sabbath. And what modern Christian, modern church has done is that it, it has allowed this pendulum to swing all the other way and that we've made the Sabbath irrelevant. And I want to make this clear here. Jesus has said that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, but Jesus never, listen carefully, listen carefully, Jesus never abolished the Sabbath. That the pattern that God set for us from the beginning, that one day a week that we should set apart to rest from productivity in order to spend time with God and worship so that our souls would be in the line term. That is still true today for us. I want you to think about the Hebrews Uh, in Egypt. We're told in chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, that the Egyptians ruthlessly made the Hebrews uh, work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. And so there was this group of people that had slave work ethics, and when God liberated them, and they were spending time in the wilderness. It's the first time in generation, in hundreds of years, that they had control over their own uh, work hours and the, and the profits that they can uh, glean from their work, right? And in the wilderness, God granted them manna that would magically and supernaturally appear on the ground, and they were to go gather the manna once a day, enough for the day. And on the, the sixth day, they were supposed to gather twice as much. And on the seventh day, on the seventh, they were, they were supposed to rest and focus. Just imagine if you were a Hebrew back then and you had lived a slave life all of your life, all the generations of your grandparents and, and so on. And for the first time, you had this liberty to make money and keep some of it. You would work all that you can to save up as much as you can to, uh, to gain as much as you can. 
But the Lord told the Hebrews, don't work on the Sabbath. Rest and refocus. And in Deuteronomy, much later on, he reminds them one of the reasons why. Deuteronomy 5, 12 to 15, observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. And later on, verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. And the Lord is telling the Hebrews, I want you to keep the Sabbath so that you would remember that your God provides for you and provided for you. That you would not make an idol out of your hard work thinking that if I just work hard enough, that that would uh, maybe give me satisfaction and rest. You know, the problem with our culture, even living hope, is that some refuse to rest. Some people just have a really difficult time resting. We are always trying to get ahead. And listen, Living Hope, and this is how we are. Even if we're not working at work, we work at other things. Now, let me give you an example. We work at trying to get our kids ahead in life. That if, I, if we just send them to these activities, these extracurricular, these achievements, that they will be in better position to get into a better college or a, or a better career. And so we work at uh, promotions and raises and uh, more uh, sites or partnerships. And we believe that we need to try a little harder so that I can become acceptable and then I can rest. And so we have a really difficult time resting. For others, uh, they may stop from working, but uh, they use the seventh day to do everything else besides work. You know, it's interesting, when, when the whole lockdown began, a lot, of pe- a lot of us thought, oh good, I can do everything that I wanted to do. Remember how people, how we used to say, I don't have time for church, I don't have time for God? Well, we have plenty of time, and what we realize after weeks and months is now that we have time, the, the real priorities, the idols in our hearts are really coming to the top. You know, it's a unique time in the hist- in, in history of mankind. It's the first time, if you think about it, in the first time in the history of the church with the big C, that churches almost all across the world have shut down to some extent. And where God had told the church, one day a week, I want you to stop working and spend that time with me. Churches all across the world, Christians all across the world are having to pause. But are we still keeping the Sabbath? And now I'm, I'm kind of talking to the choir here because you are here worshiping, whether here or online. But you know what's been really kind of um, 
uh, troubling for a lot of us is this, that uh, Barna had done recent, uh, just extensive research during this COVID time. And of the things that they discovered is this, that half of church adults have not streamed church within the past four weeks. Now, this survey was done before the churches had begun opening up. So, so in the beginning, when we went, all the churches went online, there was a lot of excitement and people started streaming. And after the novelty of streaming church went away, what survey has discovered is that more than half of so-called church people didn't stream, at, didn't stream once within the last month. There's no, it's no wonder why people are tired because their brains are getting wired by video games and not praise. Their souls are getting saturated by Netflix and not the Word of God. And their social interaction is through random, angry posts on social media, not by words of encouragement by fellow believers. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 tells us, and let us consider how to stimulate one another um, to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day draw near. Listen, we need, you need, not simply uh, a random soundbite from a preacher. You need not simply background praise. You need not simply uh, a random social media interaction. Some of them are Christians. But what we need is this, and God said this is what we need, that one day a week, one day a week, Christians, we, our souls need rest from our work so that we can worship with the saints. To be in the same room or the same electronic room. To say, uh, I belong as the son of God, a daughter of God. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And What does it mean when Christ said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath? And it, it meant more than simply that he can do whatever he wants. But the Lord of the Sabbath meant much more than that, that he is the final fulfillment. He is the ultimate rest. He, Hebrews chapter 4 talks about how in verses 9 through 11, so that there remains a rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. What is that rest? What is that peace? What is that confidence? What is, that, what is it that we can have that, that, that can tell us that I can rest, my soul can rest, that I am good enough, I have enough, that truly satisfies me, that, that I, can, I can be freed from guilt? And it is the finished work of Jesus Christ and that, and that alone. So it is he who, and he alone can say in Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 through 30, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So church, and I'm so glad you're here today.
I don't want you to come to worship because you think, well, it fulfills some sort of an obligation. And if, if our attitude is that way, then we're making an idle lot of Sabbath. But as you come, I want you to realize that this is for me, this is for you, for, for me to stop trying so hard and to come to say, the Lord provides, the Lord has already done all the work for me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you and I thank you for your grace once again. And we come into your finished work. And when we forget, when we are distracted, may you continue to pull back, pull us back in. Let us walk with you in the garden. Let us rest in your grace and in your embrace. In Jesus' name we pray.